0: You are listening to a Red FM original. Guts, glory, gumption. The voice of Indian sports with Rika Roy on the Red FM podcast network. Minister, sir, thank you very, very much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, We are calling it... Guts, glory, gumption, the voice of Indian sports, where we shine or light on Indian sports people, the ones who are uh, preparing for the Tokyo Olympics. There's also a pool of sports people who are the next generation, who are next in line, perhaps preparing for the Paris games. But, you know, talking to them made me feel that the supply line right now is abundant. This podcast also has sports people who are not preparing for any of the Olympic games. They uh, pursue games that are non-Olympic sports, but also are in the quest for glory, trying to keep India's flag, uh, you know, flying high and reach, make the podium finishes. So it's really, uh, you know, a learning experience for me talking to them and also figuring out that how you, your ministry has been an enabler for uh, most of them. So I had to start this podcast series with you, talking to you about how you have been an agent of change here. Sir, first thing before I you know, start talking to you about the work you've done, there's a question that has always been on my mind that when I look at you, I don't think of you as a politician who's struggling to fit into a sports minister's role, but someone who's really natural with the work that he does. What is the thread that really connects you with the work that you do? and your role
1: as a politician. First of all, thank you for those uh, wonderful observations which you have made, Rika. You are very right when you say that things have changed. It's not only we are producing one or two champions, but we are producing multiple champions as well as the young talents who would be future champions. So this is a wonderful, incredible journey. In briefly, I would like to say that When Khelo India was conceived and started by Honorable Prime Minister Narendra Modi Ji, the main idea was to make India a sporting nation and Mm -hmm. to make Indian society, a sports-friendly society, or to say, to introduce sport culture in our way of life. Now, this is something which is happening right in front of our eyes. I have been here for almost two years in the uh, sports ministry and I could sense that sports culture has been invoked in the way we look at life as well as sports for excellence. On both sides. One is sports culture for everybody. What I always say is everybody should play sports. There are some sports which are good for younger boys and girls, some for the aged, middle age. There are multiple sports. You can pick and choose whatever you like, whatever is suitable for you. Another sport for excellence for the medals, for the championship, Olympics, Asian Games, Commonwealth, World Championship. These are where the honor of the country is at stake. So both sides we are moving forward, and the perceptible change what we have seen in last two years' time is something which makes me a satisfied man as a sports minister of the country and as a citizen of this country. I feel nice that India is on the way. To become a well-known recognized sporting powerhouse.
0: But that still doesn't answer my question, sir. What makes you such a natural sports minister? Where is that connect?
1: As a child, I used to dream about becoming a sports person. Now, when I started following the Olympics, I was a little sad that India really didn't figure in the Olympics medal tally. India mm-hmm. was not there as a big nation, as an ancient nation. India should be there, we have the sporting talents, we have the legacy, we have the sporting traditions, having tradition is okay, but unless we convert that into culture, way of life, right. it can happen. So I had this long dream. So this dr- long dream had to be fulfilled some way, directly, indirectly. So fortunately, i became become the sports minister of the country. So my passion for the sports,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it lives with me, that came into forefront. Secondly, I always connect with the youth directly. So what I feel is if I do not involve in the activities myself, if I don't get involved with the people who are there in the field, looking from a distance, sitting from the office chair and try to understand, it will never happen. You have to go out. I go with the athletes to eat with them, to stay with them, interaction with all the stakeholders. So thereby involving personally. And that helped me in making appropriate policy making. Policy making, which is not in consonance with the requirement on the ground, then it will not benefit. So, that is how I personally engage myself. And, and finally, I'm a sportsman, not of that international standard, but I was always a sports person in my college, in my school. I used to be the best athlete in my school. So, that also comes as a big strength in my understanding and handling of the sports and sports ministry
0: as they say a sports person uh, is a sports person for life and those uh, learnings those ideas you bring into your job and you really have seen you really lead by example when it comes to your ministry so you've been in this office for a while now what is that learning or you know one learning being in this office that uh, you will always remember and that's like being the top learning for you in, in the last uh, couple of years?
1: The biggest experience for me is uh, to transform the way in which we look at sports in our country. Sports as a career, sports not as an option, sports not as a curricular activities, but sports as a main activities, sport as part of education, not extracurricular part of the education. Sports as integral part of the life. That is the most satisfying moment. Secondly, the Fit India movement, which we have launched, that also is developing into a regulational kind of a, a, a movement in our country. So, sports as a way of life is something which I am seeing right in front of my eyes. Our stars—football, volleyball, athletics, like kabaddi—they have become stars. So, they are. so that means they are way of life. People try to emulate them. People want to become sports person. So that is the biggest change. So it is a very satisfying moment for me being the sports minister in the last two years' time.
0: Richard, sir, 2018, when the Commonwealth happened, I had gone to Australia on a sports diplomacy visit. And I was talking to the sports minister of the state of Victoria, during which, you know, he said he made a very interesting comment that for every dollar invested in sport, they save $4 on the health budget. Does the Indian government have some kind of an economic marker like this? How much do the nation need to invest in sport to have a healthy nation so that our health budget is thereby reduced?
1: I think that is very important and pertinent point uh, that minister had made in Australia. I agree with him, but I would also go a step further by saying that it's not only saving of money and uh, uh, it's not only... Uh, making a healthy lifestyle. But it's actually a huge investment for the future. Mm -hmm. Sports is a huge industry. It's a big commerce. So if we invest in sports, means it's not only you are investing in health, but you are actually doing business. You are earning money. So sports is an industry, as I said, it relates to production of sports goods and equipment. It relates to your nutritionist requirement to be fulfilled. It requires your physical training centers as a as a gym, fitness center, or as a club. You are activating the citizens, actually making citizens active. Active citizens can make a country prosperous. Inactive citizens will never make a country prosperous. Not only as a way of life, but is a huge business and commerce also.
0: As they say that uh, Olympic medals uh, are directly proportional to GDP of a nation. Sir, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Olympic preparation of the athletes. Right now, we are uh, about four months away. This is the COVID Olympics because for the first time in the middle of a pandemic, players who've been waiting for four years now had to wait for five years and preparing for the Games. As a minister, it must have been a double challenge for you and your office to see not just they are physically at that level of Olympic preparation, but also mentally, emotionally, psychologically. You had to kind of cotton wool them for a year and keep them. So tell us a little bit about the preparation for the COVID Olympic Games.
1: Yes, of course, uh, COVID-19 has had a deep impact for everyone. When the Tokyo Olympic was called off or it was postponed, it was very devastating. You can imagine for Olympic preparation, how much the country puts into it? See mm-hmm. the system. After spending money, preparation, giving your time, all efforts. Suddenly, that that event is postponed. That is something which cannot be measured in any terms. Mm-hmm. So, after the postponement of the Tokyo Olympics 2020, I was under the you know, that kind of a confusion state of mind, Then what to do, what is next? I was not actually having a concrete idea about what to do next. So first thing I thought was, let's maintain the spirit. So I told all the athletes that don't worry, (coughs) it is a postponement, not cancellation. You will still go to Tokyo Olympics, but next year. So let us not stop the preparation. So we started online courses, training, observation, all kinds of online activities so that the gap of not being there on the ground can be filled up by online activities and learning of different things, knowledge-based activities also. Many of our athletes have learned much more than what they would have learned otherwise. So it was a big lesson. So we took advantage of this crisis. Secondly, we did not allow this uh, lockdown period to become a handicap in the way our athletes started looking at the sports. So, we started giving priorities for their all supporting facilities and equipment. Mm -hmm. Even remaining at home also, they were still doing all normal activities under a restricted environment.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. For example, shooting. The shooters are provided with ammunition at their doorstep. We are yeah. giving them all the facilities in the same mm-hmm. manner we mm-hmm. started allowing them to do in a restrictive manner.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And on top of that, mm-hmm. we did not cancel any of the financial benefits given to our athletes. Uh, stipends, scholarships, all the amounts which were to be given were deposited into the accounts of our athletes and coaches and every. Mm-hmm. every. So that means, Rika, what I wanted to say is, the sporting activities did not stop. Only Mm -hmm. the competition stopped. So competition stopped, the activities didn't uh, stop. That is why our preparation of the Tokyo Olympics did not take a hit. In fact, I can say that we have come out stronger than a year before. That is why I'm very confident about India's preparation for the Tokyo Olympics in the next four months' time. We are going to Tokyo and uh, how much medal, what medal that a minister or nobody can predict. Because at Olympic on that day, what happens, nobody knows because the best come But we are best prepared, that much I can say.
0: You know, I believe when you say that we are best prepared because of the medal tally we've just had at the shooting World Cup. India has been topping there and these shooters have been sitting for so many months now in their home. Sir, so one more thing that you know, in India, we haven't been speaking about mental health for as long as I know, as long as I have been uh, perhaps an adult and I've been a journalist. But during the COVID times, for the first time, I saw that mental health talk on mental health come into this domain of sports, uh, coaches, athletes. They started talking about mental health, and ministry I saw was involved in it in engaging. Them with mental health discussions. Could you tell us how you know you help them stay motivated?
1: Prime Minister had a very elaborate um, virtual meeting with the, some of the top athletes. Then I had virtual meeting with all the athletes, all the athletes, mm-hmm. as well as uh, some of the junior athletes also. The mental state of mind is so important to ensure that we remain focused. And along with that, there are technical courses like for psychologists. We have physical aspects as well as spiritual aspect also, when we look at life. So that is why our athletes are provided with all kind of support system, including support to make them a very balanced mental state of mind, which is mm-hmm. really important. And through yoga also, we have been, I am right now the Ayush Minister of the country. So to do yoga, how does it help to right. uh, strike a balance, uh, you know, mental, physical, spiritual? The alignment. Yeah, the alignment. These are these are so important in in a person's life. So that is how, along with physical fitness, mental fitness is also equally important. That is Mm -hmm. why when we talk about fit India movement, we say fit India movement means complete fitness, physical, mental, spiritual. So that is Mm -hmm. how I feel that our athletes are now in a position to handle the pressure. They're in a better to adopt to a particular. Mm Situation. They can compete at the top level without any nervousness, without any apprehension. So, that is the confidence level you have seen amongst the sports persons of India right now.
0: You know, one of the other things when I've been talking to the athletes during this podcast, they said that the biggest change that has happened in Indian sport is that you know, whatever the need right now is available to them, whether it's available through sites, sports ministry, or their individual funders who are there. But there is a seamless process. And they give you a lot of credit for getting rid of of red tipping that was there. Was this one of the biggest challenges when you came into this ministry to ensure that there is a seamless movement of fund, all other facilities to the athletes uh, and that Would you say down uh, the line, two years is one of your biggest achievements?
1: Rika, there are certain things which is uh, part of the culture. It's a reflection of the society. And uh, we have corruption, nepotism, and these are issues not only confined to sports, but in every aspect. True. There are certain things where minister cannot do. For example, if somebody comes to me and says, that there is an irregularity in the selection process, there has been some bias uh, selection uh, method adopted, some coaches misbehave, some corruption, something. There are things which can be corrected and there are things which cannot be corrected uh, by the minister. For example, if a coach picks up a 16 hockey member team for Olympics, there's no way minister can tell that select in this way or that way. It is a selection procedure, a coach's or chief selector or a chief coach's outlook. Even the federation also cannot direct that select in this manner, give a charge to a chief selection team or a coach. He will have to apply his method to bring. Mm -hmm. And there are accusations of some coaches about some misuse of power or abuse of authority to young Mm -hmm. players, especially the female athletes. So this is one of the important things which came into my mind in the initial stage when some incidents happen, some coaches misbehave with the young athletes, especially the girl athletes, and even their boys also have come abused or they are not being favored by the coach and all. So this is a big challenge. So what I did was, whatever can be done through administrative process, a strict implementation of vigilance, strict action certain things which make things more transparent and more accountable so that abuse and misuse of authority is lesser. I have taken lots of uh, steps and I have given direction to my ministry also that all those accusations or complaints, especially by the girls, be given top priority within a time bound period. So these are some of the things which I have taken steps and it has shown result. Now, you must have seen in last one year, or one and a half year, these kind of incidents, which we used to hear a lot in the past, are not uh, coming forth. So that means things have improved. But in the background, behind the curtain, still I can say that things do happen at the lower level. There are accusations, there are things happening, but as a sports minister of the country, I have been very vigilant, and I ensure that from the top down, things must flow smoothly all the monetary financial support which we are providing must be executed executed with full result. Mm-hmm. That means on time, with quality and without any corruption. So things have improved and you know very well under ji's tenure, corruption at the top level is almost unthinkable now because mm-hmm. the top is, and this message has gone down very strongly down below. Mm-hmm. But still I can say that We need to be vigilant all the time.
0: I think that is one of the big changes that you spoke about, vigilance, and there are a lot of girls who say that they feel much safer going into the sports venues than they used to feel in the past. Minister Sir, one other thing I would really like to ask you about now the relationship between Sports Authority of India, the federations, and the funding bodies. There are several funding bodies who are funding the athletes and providing them additional Support that is needed for Olympic preparation in addition to the funds that are given by the ministry. So what is the kind of working relationship you have with them? Because ultimately it is to ensure that all kind of help goes to the athletes.
1: Yes, this is very, very critical and very important point. Why? Because unless there is a proper conducive atmosphere Mm -hmm. for the athletes, for the sporting fraternity, the country cannot grow. If there are problems with the government sports federations, it is the athletes who suffer the most. Right. Federation is they recognize then mm-hmm. our athletes to participate in any of the international events
2: mm-hmm.
1: and one, if the Federation is suspended, they are not entitled to government funding. Mm-hmm. So that is why relationship has to be good. So first day when I took over as the sports minister of this country, After signing off my register, the first line I spoke to media was that I am here as a sports minister, not to run the sports federations and sports body, but to facilitate the sporting bodies in supporting the athletes to achieve excellence and to achieve success by Indian athletes in the international forum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: With that philosophy, I started in a very positive note. Then the Indian Olympic Association and the entire sporting federations, they came to me, they thanked me, they said that you have generated such a positive atmosphere, so they are very happy. So that is how I started. That is how the relationship between the sports ministry and the sporting bodies have become very smooth. All the relationship with the sporting bodies through the Sports Authority of India, has been excellently conducive, very smooth on the ground. Because I am the chairman of the Sports Authority of India, my DG, my secretary and all the directors and regional directors in the Sports Authority of India, we are constantly in touch with the Sports Federation. And beyond that, we are in touch with the athletes. We have started an athlete support cell in the ministry. So from the okay. ministry funding is from the ministry. So all the funding to the athletes to the federations are happening from the sports okay. ministry directly. And the the sporting physical activities, technical part, these are handled by the sports authority of India. Mm-hmm. So as a chairman of the sports authority of India, I have ensured that SI will have a direct working relation with all the federations. And the players, that is why whenever I go to a sports training center, especially the elite athlete center, I interact with them and find out what they want. So sometimes I find if there are certain shortages, then I call up the federation. Earlier the federation used to demand that they require this and that. Now I am telling them, you demand, I am ready to give. Why are you not demanding this thing? The athletes require it. So, that is how the culture has changed.
0: So, the other thing that I see, and this is a big change, whenever an athlete tweets and tags you, instantly you take um, action. I mean, this was completely unheard of before. Are you are you always on your social media, monitoring yes. the feeds wherever the athletes are tagging you?
1: The problem is, since India is such a large country, and if you count the top athlete, athletes and the, the junior, it will run in thousands and thousands of, uh, uh, you know, numbers, so it will be difficult to keep track of everybody. But at least those who are in the camp, those who are Olympic bound and those who are going to qualify or those who are uh, competing for the qualification, for them there should be a gap. Just now, before talking to you, I was just receiving a call from Bhavani Devi. Uh, she is the first fencer to qualify uh, for the right. in Seber. So she just called me. She wants um, some visa issue to be settled because she is flying to Italy and from Italy she wants to go for the uh, championship in Korea. Now these are administrative issues. You know, if if she doesn't get visa support at right time, even if she wants to compete, she won't be able to compete because there is no backup. So I am handling this also. That I will talk in this uh, the visa segment. The Mea our mission in the uh, particular country to ensure that. Our athlete gets the visa, everything at uh-huh. right time, so that athlete will focus on the game, not on mm-hmm. the administrative and The are to be handled by the officials. That we will yeah. do it. That is how I am uh, directly in touch with most of the athletes and they can reach out to me anytime.
0: Sir, I'm really, really appreciative of your efforts of being an enabler. You have been enabling these athletes all the way through. And one of the other things that you've done during the course are the Khelo India Games. So this is preparing the next line of athletes. Not only the Khelo India Games, but the Winter Games. We've spoken extensively about Khelo India Games. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Winter Games. So you have taken the Winter Games to regions where people can play sports for three or four months a year. Now, how do you ensure giving them sporting facilities in those remote corners and that India produces not just champions for the Summer Olympic Games, but even for the Winter Games?
1: Yes, that is another interesting question. Uh, When Khello India was launched, it means Khello for the whole country, for every segment of society. So I realized that we are not reaching out to the winter sports in Europe. In the North America, in Japan, Korea, China, Winter Olympic is also equally important and popular. In fact, in many of the European countries, winter sport mm-hmm. is more popular than the, than the Summer Olympic Games. The skating, the ice skating, the floor skating. And winter sport is very attractive also. It's very glamorous. That's so, true. I feel that we need to do something with regards to development of winter sport. So, we started the first Kello India uh, Winter Games in uh, Kashmir, in mm-hmm. So, last year, just before the pandemic hit us, we conducted the first Winter Games and it was successful. The local authorities, the and Kashmir Sports Council and the local leaders told me that Winter Sports Festival in Kashmir is the biggest ever and most widely attracted and appreciated event in the history of and Kashmir. Wow, because Sport is something universal. Everybody loves it. There's no politics, there's no other issues. So, it was successful and this time, with the blessing of Honourable Prime Minister, we hosted the second edition of the Hello India Winter Games in Gulmar. So, Prime Minister addressed the event. So, my point is, number one, winter sports in the entire Himalayan region must be encouraged and will be encouraged. In cities also, there are some events, skating and all, ice, you can create artificial ice and do it. Yes. So uh, some of the winter sports even also can happen in the cities also.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We will create some modern facilities in the Himalayan belt where we can continue to play winter sports even beyond the uh, snowfall period in some some areas because mm-hmm. you create artificial snow also. In uh, some of the countries, They even for the winter Olympics, Sometimes snows are artificially created to make it abundance, so to make it sufficient snow surface. So these are the things and I must tell you that winter sports is going to be very, very important field of sports in India. And Gulmark, we have already declared an international standard winter sports academy. I had already spoken to the governor. We have decided that uh, there was some land issue because of the high court order. But we have identified a different location in Gulmarg itself to start with. So we are appointing a consultant, a world-level consultant, to start the, okay. the academy because you need certain standards to, to, to make it to, to begin with. So these processes have started, and next year we will have a much bigger, much better winter sports festival, winter winter games in Kashmir.
0: I'm just so delighted to hear all of this, Riji. You said really it's like a whole world of sports opening up uh, in front of our eyes and to the listeners of this podcast. The other segment, and uh, whom I feel very close to, are the Paralympians. And I have interviewed Paralympians on this podcast as well, who talk about the Big, big shift in terms of their preparation and the facilities you've given them. They almost now feel like mainstream athletes, like the summer Olympians. Tell us, you know, how did you, you and your ministry decide on extending help to them? And what are the yardsticks that you set thereby?
1: Para-athletes, para-games are very, very important part of our life. We have to ensure that they are at par with regular athletes. Mm. So I am also very happy to inform you that India is probably a few countries, maybe the only country to have given equal weightage in terms of financial support for okay. regular para athletes and the Special Olympics. Like deaf and dumb. This time, uh, deaf and dumb, our uh, pers- the athlete, Virendra was given, Padma Shri, mm. we strongly recommended an honorable prime minister with his team. at. Uh, Conferred Padma Shri award to deaf and dumb athletes. We have also raised the level of financial support. Now, in India, the prize money for the regular athletes, para athletes, and deaf and dumb are equal. We are the only country. You can pick up any other country, the prize money is different. We have put it at par because we believe in it. Prime Minister has said, the Vyangjan are the people who inspire all of us Mm -hmm. to be given, supported in every possible way, all kind of necessary uh, encouragement from our side, from the government and from the society. So para-athletes, last Rio Olympics, we got good numbers of medals and Tokyo Olympics, I think we will do much better. Mm -hmm. Para-athletes have a, a better chance than the regular athletes in Tokyo Olympics in terms of uh, the numbers of uh, international world level record, if you see. Uh, our regular athletes are doing exceedingly well. but athletes are also doing exceedingly well.
0: Sir, I have taken up a lot of your time, but before I let you go, one question I have to ask you, since you spoke about equal pay for the regular athlete and the para-athletes. There's been a debate world over about... Uh, Equal pay for men and women athletes. What do you have to say about that? And you know, in India, when do we see that coming to reality?
1: It is very close to my heart. Sometimes, if they put different prize money in Wimbledon, Australian Open, U.S. Open, I don't like it. Why should there be disparity in the prize money? So last time when I was uh, in form of table tennis. Championship organized by, I think, one company, one bank. I think that's a national level championship. The Marika Batra won gold in uh, singles, women's singles, and Satyan won the gold in the men's segment. So there was a difference in the prize money. I did not like it. In the same manner, for every sport, there should be no difference in terms of prize money and for everything, not only money. The Olympic is, you know, gender neutral. Events, all the the disciplines are same. Men's, women's, mixed doubles, same. There's no one inch up and down. So there should be equal payment, equal salary, equal prize money, equal support. And wherever possible, give more to the women. That is something we have to be very very clear about our own approach
0: sir I'm really really appreciative of your efforts and I can't thank you more for this interview and sharing your thoughts and being an enabler in India's road to sporting glory thank you very much sir
1: it's my pleasure absolute pleasure to talk to you and to, uh, to share some of my thoughts and my views about Indian sports
0: you were listening a red FM original guts glory The Voice of Indian Sports with Rika Roy
2: on the Red FM Podcast Network.